For a few weeks now, we've been on this series that we're calling The Blame Game. The Blame Game. And uh, we've already covered quite a bit of ground, so if you haven't been with us, go on the website and watch or listen to the previous messages. It won't cost you anything, and it'll help you to hear that, to catch up with us. In Genesis 3 and verse 7, Genesis 3 and verse 7, God has created the heaven and the earth, as we follow the Genesis account here. And he's made man and woman. And uh, chapter 3 begins by showing the temptation from the serpent and his craftiness and his uh, deviousness. And uh, the woman took of the fruit that God had commanded them not to eat and took of it and gave to her husband and he ate of it too. And in verse 7 it says, The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Notice their first action was to try to cover it. Cover. Verse 8, They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife did what? hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, of course, he knew what had happened. He saw it. Nothing's hidden from the eyes of him with whom we have to do. But if you hadn't seen the act, you'd know what had happened from their actions. They're trying to cover. They're trying to hide. They weren't doing that before. That's evidence of a fallen nature, hiding, covering, because it's an indication of dishonesty, trying to cover something, trying to hide it. And, you know, they didn't get that from God. Satan is the father of lying and dishonesty. And it says, uh, verse 9, the Lord God called to Adam and he said, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice or the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. That's another indication of having fallen, fear. Because I was naked, and what? I hid myself. This hiding, this covering. Verse 11, he said, who told you that you were naked? You know, we, we should be so diligent to examine the source of everything. We are believers, but that doesn't mean we believe everything that everybody says. We believe everything that God said. Everybody else, we scrutinize. Are y'all with me? We check it. Elsewise, you'll be gullible. You'll be easily deceived. Now, yes, we we should train ourselves that when it comes to God, We don't have to understand it. If he said it, we accept it completely. We believe it with not a clue of even why or how it could ever be or any of that. Why? We trust him. Why? He's never lied to us. 
It's impossible for him to lie or to fail. We know he's got our best interest at heart and mind. He loves us without fail. So we can do that. But did you notice what the Lord said to him when he said, uh, I was naked, you know? He, he said, who told you you were naked? I didn't tell you you were. Who told you you were? Teaching us, we should examine. And there's so much. I was listening to some people recently on the TV talking about, you know, that the scripture said this. And I thought, I never read that scripture. You know, well, the Bible says, and they say, I thought, you know, now I'm not claiming I know everything that's in the Bible, but I got concordances and I can look stuff up too. And I couldn't find it. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? When you hear things, you need to say, who said that? Where'd that come from? Don't just be quick to agree and believe. That includes church people. That includes preachers. That includes Christian books, Christian movies, Christian songs. Come on, are y'all with me? There's some flat out lies in Christian songs. Things that just completely contradict God. There's some flat out deception and fantasy in Christian books. And so you, we so need to be diligent in examining and questioning where did that come from? Well, Dr. So-and-so with five degrees. Yeah, but who are they? Where'd they find out? Where'd they get that from? How do they know? Well, yeah, but they've been to multiple college, multiple degrees. Well, who taught them? How do we know they know anything? Come on out with me. We need to be questioning, not when it comes to God, but when it comes to everything else. We need to question. We need to examine and not just swallow everything. And um, that's one of the reasons you heard uh, Tom talking about that. That's one of the big reasons why it's widely known that everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter Every day, Monday through Friday. Why? Because if you don't know what God said, you're liable to believe anything that somebody comes along and says that he said. And, and you just nod your head because you don't want them to know that you don't know the Bible well enough to know whether he said that or not. No, friend, your best feed on that word. Make it a priority and get it in you so that when you hear things and see the devil quote scripture. Did you know that? He quoted scripture to Jesus. That's one of the biggest ways that he tempted him. But he'll twist it and he'll take a part of a phrase and he'll try to make it say something it didn't say and he'll pull it out of context and he's a liar he, but he'll take a, a truth and try to mix a lie with it. And that's why Jesus said on one occasion he said it's also written when the devil said to him that it was written. Well it's good to know it is written. So he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you you should not have eaten? And the man said, the woman that you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Instead of just answering the question and humbling himself and admitting what he did, taking responsibility, he's afraid 
He's trying to cover. He's trying to hide. And when he couldn't just stay completely out of sight, God wouldn't let him get by with that. He tries to get the spotlight and focus off of him and on to his wife and on to God. The woman that you gave me, blame. Now, the reason I keep going over this, this is a huge deal in all of life, in all of the world. When you wake up to see what's going on, you'll see this everywhere, everywhere. People pointing at everybody else and everything else instead of taking responsibility for your own choices and your own mistakes. You will hear so many times people that have been caught committing crimes or wound up getting judged or wind up getting this or that. You talk to so many people and they will tell you about what mom and daddy didn't do for them or about how somebody snitched on them or somebody betrayed them or somebody let them down or the authorities didn't do right. And the problem with that is that you cannot get free. You will not get help as long as you refuse to repent. Repenting involves taking responsibility. We see that the very next verse, when the Lord said to the woman, what did you do? What is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent, he beguiled me, and I did eat the serpent. The woman you gave me, the serpent, blame. And we see no repentance here, no really accepting of responsibility. And so the next thing we hear is judgment. And you can be sure, somebody said, what about the serpent? You can be sure that the devil blames God for everything. That's his nature. That's who, he, he doesn't have any humility. He's the proudest being we've ever heard anything about. And so you can be sure he blames God completely for all of his problems and faults and failures. It's all lies. But if you don't want to believe the truth that all of your failure is your own fault, if you don't want to believe that, even though it's true, what else is there to believe but lies? And so you can, if you don't want to accept it, you can blame somebody else, even though it's not true. We see just a few verses later that Cain blamed Abel for God not receiving his sacrifice. Well, did uh, Abel force Cain to give a lousy sacrifice? Did Abel choose Cain's offering? No, of course not. So how, how is it even reasonable and rational that Abel is to blame for Cain's lousy sacrifice? It's complete fabrication. But that doesn't keep you from believing it. You can believe anything you choose to believe. It doesn't have to be true at all. It can be completely made up and contrived. But the problem is, if you keep saying it, and you keep thinking it, and you keep affirming it, even though when you started, you know it wasn't true, you can deceive yourself. You can wind up believing the lie. He must have been convinced of something. He killed his brother. He murdered him over something his brother didn't do. This blame thing is deadly serious. It is so serious. And one of the biggest things is 
it causes one to fail or come short of the grace of God. We saw that with Esau over in Hebrews chapter 12. You don't have to turn there, but we spent some time on it in a previous lesson. And how that Esau did not find a way and place of repentance he refused to. He was hurt and upset that he lost the blessing, but he didn't, uh, he didn't want the responsibility of the birthright, and he was unwilling to repent over what he had done in selling the birthright. And so all he wound up was bitter. And the Bible warns us about a root of bitterness whereby many can be defiled. So we see that bitterness involves blaming, and blaming is judging. And if we judge, we won't get mercy and grace that we need and help that we need. We'll get judgment ourselves. Go with me, if you would, to the book of James. The book of James, chapter 4, and we'll get some insight into this, James 4 and verse 10. He said, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and what will happen? He'll lift you up. Man, when you're down, (laughs) that's what you need. You need a lift. You need help. But if you read uh, previous verses, verse 6 and 7 and those verses, you'll see that God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Verse uh, 11, very next verse, speak not evil one of another brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law. You're a judge. Here's a great truth. This has helped me personally by reminding myself of this phrase. Judges are not doers. And doers are not judges. You show me somebody that's judging somebody else, I'll show you a hypocrite. They are not doing what they claim the other person should be doing. It's invariable because the scripture reveals it. You'll see this also in Romans, the first chapter. You'll see it in other places. And when you think about it, you'll hear phrases like this. Oh, I would never, I would never do anything like that. Well, you know they're lying. You know they're hypocrites. They're being dishonest. Well, I've never done that. Yeah, but you did something like it. Have you ever sinned and come short of the glory of God? Have you ever done something you knew you shouldn't do? Have you ever failed to do something you knew you should do? Well, how is that so different from what they did? Might be a different area, but God's looking at the heart. Come on, can you see this, friend? People, and all of us have made mistakes in these areas, but you have to be a hypocrite to judge other people. You have to be. There's no way around it. The only one who could have judged was the one who never sinned, Jesus he's the only one that could have said, you know, I'd never do that because he never did. But you remember the woman that was taken in the act of adultery? 
that they came and threw down in front of him and all that whole ordeal. Remember what he said to her? Has no man condemned you? She said, no man, Lord. What did he say? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He's not saying it's okay, but he's saying, I'm not judging you over it either. Oh, if the sinless one says, I don't condemn you, what about us? <laughs> what, what should we say? What should we do? Somebody messes up and really blows it. If you're honest, you know how they did it. You've done it. Maybe not that specific thing, but the spiritual part of it, the nature of it, the disobedience, the rebellion, the stubbornness, the fleshiness. Don't act like you don't know. You do know. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's a fact. That's why Jesus had to come, because we needed a Savior. Thank God he did. Thank God he has. But if he has been compassionate on us and forgiven us, the Bible said we ought to love one another, and we ought to forgive one another like he has loved and forgiven us. We ought to return the favor and treat other people like he has treated us. He didn't judge us. He forgave us. So we shouldn't judge them. And we should forgive them. Now notice, one of the problems is that people say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not judging, I'm not judging. Notice how he describes judging in the first part. Speaking evil of one another. Instead of the word evil, we don't use that quite as much as the King James. We'd probably say bad. Saying bad things about your brother bringing up their mistakes. And the Bible said love covers the multitude of sins. Doesn't mean you lie for people, but it means you don't broadcast them. You don't post them. You don't tweet about them. Hmm? Is there a lot of that going on? Friends? Oh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. He said, if you speak evil of your brother, and you're judging your brother when you're speaking evil, you're not a doer. It's easy to criticize and find fault. It's hard to do better. Did you hear that phrase? It's easy to find fault. Oh, they should do this. Well, have you ever done that? Have you ever handled that and taken care of that? It's kind of like watching sports. <laughs> and with your... Uh, your iced tea and your, your hot dog or potato chips on the couch and seeing the, uh, the person missed the pass and didn't catch the pass and you're going, what? He put it right in your hands. It was right there. Yeah, well, what are you doing? Have you ever, you ever even been to a pro game? I'm not talking about in the stands. I'm talking about, <laughs> anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> You never even did enough to even be considered to be on a team. And yet you're a judge. You're a judge. How many understand doing is different from watching? What you don't know is he's got three fractured ribs from the previous game last week. And when he jumped and turned to catch it, the sun was in his eye and sweat was in his eye. And those three cracked ribs called his name when he turned around 
and he just for a split second didn't see the ball. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? What am I saying? It's easy to find fault. It's easy to criticize. It's harder to do better. Anytime you think or are tempted to judge or criticize, you need to stop immediately and go, how have I done better? What am I doing? We need to ask ourselves that. Not what they're doing. What am I doing? What have I done? How have I overcome in that area? Well, I've never even been tempted in that area. Then you're completely ignorant about it. (laughs) You've not overcome anything in that area. If you hadn't even been tempted in that area, you haven't overcome in that area. And it could be because you were so weak, the Lord wouldn't even allow you to be tempted in that area because he knew you'd just fall on your face instantly. And he's given you some time to grow and develop. That's another message. But can you see what we're talking about? It's easy to criticize. It's easy to talk about people. It's easy to find fault. But if you do so, you're being dishonest. And if you're a judge, you're not a doer. You're not doing what you claim they should be doing. You're dishonest. And this blaming causes one to come short of and fail of the grace of God. Read verse 12. He said, there's one lawgiver who's able to save and destroy. Who are you that judges another? Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. Look at the Amplified. The Amplified in verse 11. He said, my brethren, do not speak evil about or accuse one another. Now, last week we saw from Revelation that the devil is the accuser of their brethren. He accuses us, them, before our God night and day. He does this unceasingly, just accusing, accusing. Another word for accuse is blame, blaming, blaming, accusing, accusing. We do not want to give a voice to the devil's continuous ministry against the church. He can't express these accusations and these judgings unless somebody gives it voice down here. He has to have a vessel that'll yield to the thoughts and feelings and express them or post them or tweet them or email them or text them. Oh, but friend, if we do, We're being hypocrites. We're being judges and we won't get grace. We will get judged. That means you fail of the grace of God. He said don't speak evil about or accuse one another. He that maligns a brother or judges his brother is maligning and criticizing the law and judging the law. If you judge the law, you're not a practicer of the law. You're not a doer. You're a censor and a judge. So many things in this life, child of God, we are not the judge of. One reason we're commanded not to judge is because we're not capable. We don't know enough. We don't know people's hearts. We don't know all their history. We don't know how they got where they are or how much light they have or whether they're walking in it or not. We are completely unqualified to judge these things. We just don't know enough. We don't understand enough. And so it's actually a freeing, liberating thing when in situation after situation we're tempted to judge, we should throw up our hands and go, I'm not their judge. 
That's between them and the Lord. I don't know what's in their heart. Come on, let's practice it. I'm not their judge. Come on, help me out. I'm not their judge. And what's the next question you should ask yourself? What am I doing in this area? What am I do- How am I doing any better? If you judge yourself, you won't be judged. If I judge them and blame them and accuse them, I'm not judging myself and I will be judged. Very big stuff. Go to the first chapter of James. James 1 and verse 19. He said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. When you're tempted to have an opinion about something you should have no opinion about, you need to bite your lip. And not be quick to say it, but be slow to say it. Slow to text it. Is anybody listening? We've got an epidemic in our land. Not just of a disease, but of social media addiction. People think, I know you get out on the road once in a while and maybe go somewhere. Have you seen how many people are texting while they drive? It's everywhere. Why? Because folks think they can't wait. When they hear the ding or they feel the buzz, it's like they're hardwired. I've got to respond. I've got, I've, I have to. I mean, that's like you're saying you need your fix. It's pitiful. I said it's pitiful. Hardwired. And the reason I'm bringing it up because of that. There's so much stuff out here that should have never been texted because people are not even thinking about it. They're not examining it. They're not thinking it through. They're just off an impulse, texting, making comments, making judgments, accusations, blame. Where is if we would just slow down and be slow to speak, slow to text, slow to respond, it would give the Holy Spirit in us an opportunity to check us and go, you don't need to say anything about that. You don't need to have an opinion. You don't need to have a response. You, you do that, you'll be judging. You'll be speaking evil about You'll be saying bad things about them. You'll be judging them. You'll be acting a hypocrite, acting like you never missed it. Quick to hear but slow to speak and slow to be angry, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God or what God says is right. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls, but be ye doers. Oh, somebody say doers. See, did you notice this is in James 2. This just was a couple of chapters before the one we read there. All this flows together. This wasn't written in chapter and verse. He was still talking about being a doer when he said, if you're a judge, you're not a doer. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Why? Deceiving your own selves. One of the most dangerous things is for us to have light and decide not to walk in it. Decide not to receive it. You know, and if you see light that says, you know, you made a mistake, 
you said and did the wrong thing, but you're embarrassed or you, you think somebody will think less of you. So you don't want to acknowledge it. You want to cover it up and you want to try to blame somebody else. That's how you wind up deceiving your own self. Any of us can do it any day of the week. Deceiving your own self. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. We'd say that's polished glass. It it would be a dull mirror to us. But now we have mirrors that, you know, you see a perfect image. For he beholds or looks at himself and then goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. The reflection in the mirror represents what God is showing us of truth and light. And in times of prayer, you'll see things clearly. In times of worship and in times of praise and in times of being in in church and in times of reading the word, you'll see things. Now, oftentimes, you'll see these images of truth and right and light in life But it's not complimentary to you. (laughs) It shows up a mistake. It shows up wrong thinking. It shows up a failure. And when you see that, what's it time to do, child of God? It's time to receive the truth and repent. To acknowledge the truth and go, you know, that's true. Yeah, I didn't do that right. Yeah, I didn't handle that right. Yeah, I missed it on that. But if you're too proud or, you know, too fearful or whatever the case may be, and you don't want that to be true, it makes me look bad. Well, it, what, what happened was bad. Yeah but, I, yeah, but I don't want anybody to know that. I don't want anybody to see that. Well, if you cover it up, the scripture said you won't prosper. And if you try to start blaming somebody else for it, instead of taking responsibility You can get to the place where you forget what you saw in the mirror of the word. You forget that clear, distinct image of truth that God showed you. And you come to believe, you you completely forget what you saw and you believe a lie. That's what deceived means. You deceive yourself. You believe a lie is true, but it's not. You know, how else could Cain have killed his brother? How can he get to that place? He he must have got to the place where through his seething rage and his pride and denying the truth, the devil convinced him of a lie that Abel somehow is the cause of his problems. You forget what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, you'll see the truth You'll know the truth. What will the truth do for you if you'll receive it? It'll make you free. And continues there, and he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Man, if you remember what you saw, you receive it, you hold on to it, you acknowledge the truth, you walk in the truth, the truth will make and keep you free. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go with me, please, to the book of uh, Genesis. Do you think these things will help you in life? Can the Word of God help you in life? Oh, it's, it's your life. In Genesis, the uh, 30th chapter, 
Let's see a couple examples of this. Genesis 30 and verse 1. It said, when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. Now, uh, this is a, another sibling thing. And this is, uh, you know, is it Rachel's sister's fault that Rachel is not having children? <laughs> and yet, she feels hard at her. Do you remember the Bible warned us about what happened with Esau? And that root of bitterness. If you've got bitterness in you, it's because you're blaming somebody. But if you're blaming and accusing, you're judging. If you're judging, you're a hypocrite and not a doer. She doesn't want to take any responsibility for her situation. So she's mad at her sister for having kids. Now, this is foolish. This is messed up. Can you see this? But people are doing this all over. They're upset at people that have what they want. Well, how is them having that keeping you from having that? And yet, the devil is illogical. He's unreasonable. Something doesn't have to be reasonable or logical or true for you to believe it. If you don't want to accept the truth that some things are your fault and your responsibility, then if you don't want that, the only other thing you can believe is lies. So the devil will say, it's their fault. If they weren't around, you'd be okay. If they didn't have it, you could have it. Lies. Lies. But if you believe that, the envy, the anger, the bitterness, the resentment, just festers in a person's being until they can become murderous like Cain did. Now, uh, notice what, how else it spilled over. She envied her sister and then she came to her husband and, and listened to this outburst. Give me children or else I'm dying. Now, you heard us make this statement before. We know Rachel is completely faithless about this, about her having children. She has no faith at all to have a child. Why? Because she's putting pressure on other people, and she's blaming other people. Can you see this? Faith puts no pressure on people. It's acting like there's no God, and it's acting like I have no responsibility. Is God bigger than her sister, than her husband, than her body, than anything else? Is God bigger? Come on, help me out, church. Is God bigger than all that? Then if I'm looking to him, why would I be concerned about my sister? I'm not looking to her to fix it. She can't fix it. Why would I be looking to my husband, putting pressure on him? How can he fix this? And that's what he said when she said, you give me children or I'm going to die. Now, now we laugh about this, but they weren't laughing at the house that day. At the tent, wherever they lived. 
this was not funny. This is a problem. And this has been coming for months and months and months when uh, Jacob would say to Rachel, honey, what's wrong? Nothing. Nothing. Come on, I know something's wrong. What's wrong? Nothing. I told you, just leave me alone. That's not okay. Why? A root of bitterness is stewing. And this believing lie, the, the problem with this, you do this long enough, you come to deceive yourself into believing it's really my sister's fault. And, and not only hers, it's yours. My husband. Give me kids. Why won't you give me kids? I'm going to die if you don't give me kids. He said, am I God? Am I in God's stead? Who's withheld from you the fruit of the... He's the one who can fix this. What are you talking about? Now, it's easy for us to sit and read this and look at this and be objective. But most people under the sound of my voice, you have been in this situation. You have been on the giving end or the receiving end or both. So is there a reason why we need to be on this series and talking about these things? If you're blaming somebody or accusing somebody and bitter about it, you're being a hypocrite and you're refusing to repent and you're judging And the problem is, it is not going to get better until you repent. You won't get any gray. What do you need when you're in a situation where you want something so bad and you believe it's right and it's the plan of God, but you don't know how to get there. And months go by and years go by and it seems like you're further than when you started. What do you need? You need the help of God. You need God's grace. You need his help. Who does he give it to? Those that humble, and and one of the outstanding qualities of humility is honesty. Those that will acknowledge the truth, that will fall on their face, and not take condemnation, but take responsibility. Lord, what do I need to do differently? Show me any changes I need to make. Show me anything I need to do differently. Help me. And not looking at anybody else Not blaming mama and daddy because of what they did or didn't do in your upbringing. Not blaming the government or the school system. Not blaming the authorities, the police. Not blaming family. Not blaming spouse. Not blaming your pastor or your church. But what they did or didn't do for you. Come on, can you hear me? As long as you're doing that, you're being a hypocrite. You're being a judge, not a doer. You won't get grace. You won't get help. Thank God, Rachel changed. It took years. But obviously her heart changed and some things changed. And praise God, she conceived. She had a child. She had more than one child. She got the desire of her heart. But more than just focusing on something we want, we should want God. And we should seek a relationship with him knowing he's bigger than than my sister. He's bigger than my husband. He's bigger than my body. Can God fix anything? Anything except a stubborn, rebellious heart. 
He won't force a person to acknowledge the truth and repent. But if you'll come to him and believe him and trust him and repent, he can fix anything. Do you believe it, child of God? He can fix anything. Nothing is too messed up, too old, too hard, too destroyed. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. If you believe it, say amen. Look with me. I should notice this as well. When I, when I read this and uh, Rachel now, now we're, we're not just talking about, you know, woman versus man. The first one to blame was Adam blaming his wife. I mean, this goes both directions. This goes all directions. But I noticed this in Proverbs 30, verse 15, in the NIV. Proverbs 30, 15 says, The leech has two daughters. And they say, Give, give, they cry. <laughs> I don't want to be a leech. How about you? What, what does the leech say? And the leech's offspring, all they know how to say is, give me, give me, I want, I need, give me, give me. And that's the pressure that uh, Rachel was putting on her husband. Give me, give me, or I die. That is so faithless, so faithless. <laughs> I mean, all you got to do is stop and think a little bit. How can Jacob fix this? That's what he said. Am I God? And so you've got pressure that people are putting on each other because they're yielding to lies and wrong thinking. It's happening in marriages. It's happening in roommates. It's happening on the job. It's happening in business and finance. Right, left, all over. You and I, child of God, can be a breath of fresh air. That we come into a situation and no matter what we have or don't have, our want, our need, we refuse to put pressure on anybody for anything. We refuse to look to anybody, any man or woman, any human being, any group, anything as our source. God is my source. He can fix anything. Hallelujah. And I'm not blaming anybody for what I don't have or what I need or what I want. I, if anybody's holding up anything, is me. It's not God. Lord, show me anything I need to change. I need to fix. A person like that, a man like that, a woman like that, a young person like that, God will help them. He'll give them grace. He'll give them knowledge. He'll show them what to do. If it takes miracles in their body, in their brain, in their finances, in their life, easy for him. Easy for him. It takes creative miracles. Easy for him. Look with me. Genesis, the 16th chapter. Genesis 16. Here's a similar situation. Sarai, I'm just going to call them Sarah and Abraham because that's what I'm used to. But You know the difference. They had a name change after this. But Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she had an idea. You know, just because you had an idea doesn't mean you heard from God. Doesn't mean it was God's plan. She said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my maidservant, perhaps. Everybody say perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. The King James says, 
it may be that I can build a family through her. I can obtain children by her. We should not make decisions by it could be, it may be, it might be. That indicates you hadn't heard from the Lord. You know, maybe it could work out like this. It could be, it might. That's not the language of faith. That's not the language of someone who's heard from God. And so Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Verse uh, 3, so after Abraham, Abraham took Hagar, Sarah's maid, after he had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan, and uh, gave her to her husband Abram to be wife. Keep going. He went into Hagar, she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Keep going. And Sarah said to Abraham, my wrong be on you. I've given my maid into your bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and you. We see anger. We see bitterness. We see judging. And we see problems in the home. Let me ask you. I mean, this is how confusing is this is. Whose idea was this? <laughs> Sarah's. Is she taking any responsibility for this? No. She's blaming her husband for her idea. She's blaming her maid for her idea. She's blaming the results and aftermath of her plan, what she came up with. You see this all too often. All too She doesn't, you know, she, she's upset. She doesn't like the way it's turned out. But she's not taking responsibility. Listen to uh, the NIV. Verse 5. The NIV. It said, Then Sarah said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. You're responsible for it. It's your fault. (laughs) It would be funny if it wasn't so serious. This is happening in homes all over the country. All over the world, people are, are, at least at one point, they knew better than this. They knew, I'm the one that brought this up. I'm the one that started this. But now they don't like the way it turned out, so it's your fault. It's your fault. You should have stopped me. You shouldn't have gone along with it. You should have. Friend, the problem with this is, if you do that, you're being a hypocrite. You're being a judge and you won't get help. You're being prideful and refusing to repent. You won't get help. You won't be able to come out of the situation. You won't be, you know, okay, so you made a mistake. We've all made mistakes. But don't, instead of working on fixing the blame, let's work on fixing the problem. Instead of focusing on whose fault it is, let's work on getting out of here. Getting past this. Instead of fighting each other, let's use our faith together. But the only way you can do that is by willing to immediately and honestly accept responsibility for your mistakes. Admit it was my idea. Admit 
I made a bad one here. Admit what we're dealing with is the result of my wrong decisions, my mistake. If you will humble yourself, if you or I will be honest and come before God, he already knows. He's not confused about any of this. He already knows it was our mistake. If we'll come before him and confess it and acknowledge it. I'm not talking about receiving condemnation. I'm talking about not lying, not being dishonest. If we'll admit it, if we'll acknowledge it, God is so gracious. He is so merciful. He will forgive you of the most terrible things. He will wash and cleanse you and not bring it up to you again. But how are you going to receive forgiveness for something you won't even admit you did? Doesn't work. She said, you're responsible for the the wrong I'm suffering. In, in the complete Jewish Bible, says it like this, the CJB, verse 5. Complete Jewish Bible said, Sarah said to Abram, this outrage being done to me is your fault. Your fault. Thank God, Sarah repented. You know, she made other mistakes. The Bible, that's one thing about the Bible. It doesn't sugarcoat everything. It just shows you where people messed up. It shows you where they did good. Well, it gives us hope and encouragement. But uh, thankfully, as time went on, she didn't continue this. And she obviously made some changes. And Sarah has her own verse for her own faith in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. So we know she didn't stay here. She didn't live this. But she's having a bad day or a bad month or whatever it was and causing all kind of trouble in the house, putting pressure on everybody around her, taking it out on her husband. And friend, this is devilish. This is acting like the devil. He is so proud He won't accept any responsibility. He is the accuser of the brethren. I don't want to act like the devil, do you? I don't want to be a judge instead of being a doer. I don't want to be a hypocrite. What we should do when we fail and make a mistake, we should see how quickly can we get to God? How quickly can we humble ourselves and get grace and help to get out of this? We don't have to live there. But if you blame and accuse others, that's where you'll stay. And the bitterness will get worse and worse and worse. Thank God for the grace of God. Thank God for the mercy of God. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible said the goodness, Romans 2, 4, the goodness and kindness of God leads us, it should lead us, to repentance. Would you stand up? Let's act on this. Let me lead you in a prayer. If Jesus is not your Lord, if you haven't given your heart and life to him, you can, you should do it right now. You're not guaranteed tomorrow or even the rest of the night. This world's a dangerous place. You do not need to be fumbling around down here lost when you could leave at any moment. You want to be ready to go 
all the time. And only when you're full of God and eternal life and no longer afraid to die, now you're ready to live (laughs) and have a life down here that, that helps others, that matters. So pray this prayer out loud with me and let's receive and release faith and get grace to help. Said out loud, Father God, I believe in you. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the giver of life. I reverence you. I respect you. I humble myself before your awesome presence and acknowledge I am completely dependent on you for life breath, awareness of mind, every good thing. And I confess Jesus as Lord of my life. I receive all that Jesus has done for me. I receive the forgiveness, the cleansing, the washing, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I see your word that you resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. And so I humble myself at any point and at any time that I have acted like these cases of people who are accusing others and blaming others and trying to fault others for my own mistakes. I repent. And I purpose not to continue to do that, but to be honest about my own choices and my own words and my own actions. But I look to you and I ask for grace and I ask for help in the time of need. And I thank you for being so merciful and so gracious and so kind. By faith, I ask for wisdom and direction. By faith, I ask and I lay hold of the help of the Lord for my situations right now. And I say I will come out triumphant overall by the grace of God and to the glory of God. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.